chapter 4. James chapter 4. We have a display board in the back, and on there's some more pictures and some things, and we'll be back there after the end of the service. If you have any questions or anything, please feel free to go back there, and we'll uh, be back there to show you any of the pictures if you have questions about those or about the ministry there in Uganda. Also, we have our prayer card, and ask you to get one of those if you would, and be praying for us. Um, this is why uh, the Lord's been so good to us, because so many people pray in force. And so we'd appreciate your prayers, and uh, that would be a blessing. Um, tonight, as we look to these verses, um, the title of the message is The God of Tomorrow. Now, of course, it's the God of every day. But as we read these verses, we'll see about the God of tomorrow, and in that, thinking about the fact that God knows what will happen tomorrow. Now, we know that he knows these things. And we have that head knowledge, you might say, but we don't always live like we believe it. And if we truly believe that he is the God of tomorrow, that he knows what will happen tomorrow, that should help us to increase in our faith and our walk with the Lord. And of course, we talk about faith promise missions and giving by faith and making those commitments, and these are things we ought to be doing, and yet sometimes we struggle on that walk. And so many times we're talking about faith, and then we think about the realities of life. You know, we're talking about faith and about what God wants us to do. Then we look at our checkbook, we look at our circumstances, and all of us do this. I remember a few years ago there in Uganda, uh, we had a pastor visiting another missionary, and he knew us as well. He came by the church there, and he's standing there in front of the church, and he asked me, he said, so what's the next project you want to do? And I said, well, we'd like to pave the parking lot. And the, par- the parking lot's probably maybe the size of this auditorium, maybe a little bit bigger. It's not that big. And uh, he turned around and looked at it, and he said, Yep, it'll probably never happen. I just kind of looked at him. I didn't say anything, but I'm thinking, what, is my God so small he can't pay for a parking lot? You know, and I'm thinking, why would he say something like that? And I'm thinking, why, would he, why do you think that God can't do this? I think God can do it. And then I started thinking, well, I don't have any money to do it. <laughs> and I'm thinking, well, I know the church finances. The church doesn't have any money to do it. And yes, God can do it, but just, just maybe not right now. Maybe one day, maybe on a furlough or something, we'll raise some money, or maybe, maybe over some time, but God can do it, but just, just not now. And later on that week, I got a phone call. Matter of fact, it was Brother Dan Dwyer. You're talking about him. He was working up country at that time. He called me on the phone. He said, Brother James, he said, um, we're doing a project here at our church, and the project fell through, and so we have this money to raise for it. And I was wondering, we still want to pave that parking lot. We raised most of the money right then, and then we announced it in church with the Lord had done. We said, we're still missing about $3,000, and one church member came up and said, you know, here's the money, where do you want it? I didn't pay one penny for that parking lot. Made me feel about that big. <laughs> you know, it's amazing what God can do through us. He doesn't even need us. It's a privilege to serve the Lord. It's a blessing to labor together with God. We don't deserve that. But it's a blessing that we have to work together with our Lord. And it's not about what I can do. It's about what God can do through me. It's about what God can do through us as we make ourselves available to Him and walk by faith. And so this is what we're talking about. Not walking by sight, about what we think can or cannot be done, but trusting in God and what He's leading us to do and taking that step of faith. Look here in James chapter 4 and verse 13. Here it says, Go to now you that say today or tomorrow we're going to such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life but is even a vapor 
that appeareth for a little time, then vanisheth away, that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. And the first point is very basic, really, is God knows what will happen tomorrow. You know, many times we make our plans, we plan for our life. I know even myself as a teenager, my dad was in the Air Force, and we lived in different places around the States, in Athens, Greece, and Creek, Greece, and um, I grew up on military bases, I was born on a military base, and so that was my thought, is this is my plan for my life, I'll probably join the military, do something such as that, and then um, I still remember when God called me as a missionary. I'd had my life planned out, but I never truly sought God's will and seeing what He would want me to do. Sometimes we pray and we say, Lord, do you want me to do this or do you want me to do that? I think about, you know, the military or maybe a police officer, and I had my options out there for God. Now I've learned I need to pray, Lord, do you want me to do this or this, or is there something else you want me to do? And leaving myself open to the Lord's leading in my life, and this is what we need to do, not just trusting our own way, but trusting the Lord and what He'd have us to do. There might be someone else here like that, even tonight. Maybe you, you have a plan laid out for your life, but have you asked God, what is your will? There might be somebody here tonight that God might call you as a missionary. He might call you as a pastor. And God is calling all of us to faithfully serve Him in our home church where we are. And so the reality is we do not know what will happen tomorrow. We don't know what tomorrow may bring, but, that, but God does. This is why we need to be busy serving God today. today. Even the Lord Jesus Christ when He was here, even as a child, He said, Wish ye not, I must be about my Father's business. The Bible says he came to seek and to save that which was lost. It tells us there's coming a night when we can work no more. We don't know when that will be. And it's not just about us, but others. There's a man that I met some years ago. He's a pastor. And he talked about how his brother wasn't saved. And there's coming up to Christmas time that always went at his dad's house. And he said, I determined I'm going to witness my brother again. I'm going to take this opportunity to share from the gospel again. He said, I don't know it, but my brother, something came up, so he went and visited our parents early. And he said, on the day I arrived to go to mom and dad's house, my brother flew out that day to go back home. He said, man, I thought I missed my opportunity. I thought, maybe I'll call him. Then I said, no, I'll just wait till next time. He told me, he said, his brother died before he ever saw him again. And he talked about how so many times he thinks about how he kept putting that off. And now he doesn't think his brother's probably in heaven. Because he just thought, well, I'll have time tomorrow. We'll have time next time. One day I'll serve the Lord. One day I'll tell him. But that day came too late. The reality is we don't, know, we don't need to wonder about, you know, when I'm going to serve God. We just need to start doing it today. We don't need to allow problems to keep us from serving the Lord. We don't need to worry about tomorrow, but to trust in the God of tomorrow. Look at Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, beginning of verse 30. Now, this is one thing that the Lord has blessed us with there in Uganda. I stopped one of our pastors and I said, I think the reason the Lord is blessing us is because we're taking steps of faith. There's a young man working for us. Um, matter of fact, he's the pastor in Rwanda now. And I remember as he graduated from Bible college, started working on staff there. He came and asked me one time about the work and study program. We had about 50 students, and many of them are first-generation Christians. We try to help many of them, and one of our greatest expenses of food and things of that nature. And so this man asked me, he said, well, how are we going to pay for these things? How are we going to pay for this? And I said, I don't know. And he's like, well, what do you mean I don't know? I said, well, it's not my problem. <laughs> he's like, what do you mean it's not your problem? I said, we're doing what God's told us to do. We're taking a step of faith, and God's always provided. And we're going to just keep trusting God to provide. And he's been doing that for the Bible college since 2007. 
God continues to provide. And it's been amazing to me to see what God has done. And I know it's the Lord because I don't have the money to do it. And yet God keeps bringing the finances in through different projects we're doing there and through offerings and tithes of the people there. And it's amazing to see what our God can do. But in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 30 it says, Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, or you of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or wherewithal shall we, um, or what, what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of these things. God knows what we need. He is the one who created us. He formed us in our mother's womb. He knows what we need, not only from the past and the present, but even what we will need tomorrow. He knows about every problem that we're going to face. And look what he says in this next verse. Verse 33. But seek ye what? First. But seek ye first the kingdom of God. But when problems come, first I take care of my problem, then I can serve God. I hear that so many times in Uganda, and I'm telling them, no, you got it backwards. First, you need to give God first place, and then trust God to help you through that problem. And so, but seek you first the kingdom of God, and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Alright, this next verse here, verse 34. Take therefore no thought for the what? For the morrow. You know what God's saying? Don't worry about tomorrow. I know about your finances, I know about your problems, I know about the challenges you have, but give me first place. Kind of like um, Elijah and that widow lady, she's collecting those few sticks. And he says, you know, what you doing? I'm collecting these two sticks, I'm going to make some food, and my son and I are going to die. And in great compassion, he says, okay, but make me a cake first. <laughs> That's an amazing story to me. And that God had prepared her heart, she did that. And God provided for them during that whole time. Seek ye first. Put God first. And God will take care of you. God will take care of your tomorrows. This is something that we have to do. And it takes a step of faith. Especially when it comes to our tithe. That shows God what place he has in our life. If he has first place or not. If I'm going to give my tithe first to him. What about our offerings? What about our missions? It takes faith. That's why I call it faith promise. Because sometimes we don't know where all the money is going to come from. Sometimes there's situations that come up and we have to be faithful in giving to God and trusting God to provide for our needs. You know, sometimes I think what people do is, well, God, first I'm going to take care of my needs and then by faith I'm going to trust you to take care of the offering. <laughs> no, I'm going to give to God first and then by faith I'm going to trust God to meet my needs. You know, i found that God can provide my needs or He can give me the grace to do without some things. You know, it's kind of like with children. I know when my wife and I first got married, my dad told me, he said, Son, don't wait until you have enough money before you have kids. He said, You'll never have enough money. I don't know if you ever figured out how much it costs. It's expensive. He said, You won't have kids if you figure that out, you know. And so what do you do when you have children? Your lifestyle changes, doesn't it? Oh, maybe you used to go out to eat all the time, or maybe even used to be out with your friends for hours of the night, and now you can't do that. Now even your friends begin to change. Uh, now you get friends who also have children, and also have to be back at certain times. You're buying diapers and food and all these different things, and you're mad, right? You're upset. These kids are taking all of our money. No, you do it willfully, you do it joyfully. You don't even think of it as a sacrifice. Why? Because of the love that you have for your children. And that's how our service for God ought to be. 
It's not truly a sacrifice, it's a privilege, it's an honor to serve the Lord, to give, because we ought to give because of our love for Him. But you know, God knows about the economy and our finances. There are challenges at times, and God knows about that. God knows what the stock market numbers will be tomorrow already. God knows about everything. God knows about your job or your work situation. He knows about your business. God knows about your health or the health of your family. I tell you, this past uh, furlough, there's some challenges. And our daughter Kimberly got very sick, was in intensive care on Friday night, and we're flying back on furlough on Tuesday. And I tell you, it's amazing how God took care of her. And, you know, there's been different times, different health issues that God just has protected us over the years. God knows about your traveling plans, about different challenges that you might face. I know one time several years ago, a friend of mine, went, uh, he and I went out on a missionary journey, you might say, there in Uganda. We had a national pastor wanting us to go out to the islands out on Lake Victoria to three different ones to see about possibly him starting some churches out there. And he came to us, and Lake Victoria is the second largest freshwater lake in the world. I mean, the, the moon is a tidal effect on it. So we only had one day to go on Friday, but we could not take a boat in one day and go to those three islands to get back the same day. So we found there's a, a seaplane that we could rent for $100 that would take us to all those islands. We could get back on that same day. We had a big plan for sewing on that Saturday, and so uh, we got on that plane, went out, and um, I'd never been on a seaplane before. It did just fine. We took off a beautiful takeoff and everything, and got to the island, landed with no problem or anything like that, and we got to that island, and we had to walk to the other side about 30, 40 minutes or so um, to where some people were waiting under some trees, and we preached the gospel there and had a wonderful time doing that, and then the pilot said, let me go back and get the plane because we want to get to these other two islands to get back today, and we don't want to waste 30, 40 minutes walking back. So as we preached, he went back to get the plane and came to the other side. And so when he came to the other side to get us up, we finished up and got ready to go. And so then, not knowing what was going to happen, you know, sometimes if we knew about problems, we'd just probably stay in bed, I think. <laughs> you know, it's like, like that guy who one time said, you know, if, um, if I knew where I was going to die, I'd never go there. I think that's true. But we don't know about the problems that are going to come. And, so, you know, the thing is this, God knows what will happen tomorrow, but also God wants us to know his will. You know, there in that verse we read, James chapter 4, verse 14, Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life, what is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time that vanisheth away, for that you ought to say, if the Lord what? If the Lord will, if the Lord allows it. This also reminds me we ought to be praying about the Lord's will. And Lord, what you have me to do? So many times you just pray when problems come with our will, with what we're doing. And when we face problems, that's when we start to pray but, you know, we ought to begin with prayer. I remember when I was in Bible college, we had bus routes there and everything. And I remember when I first got there, it's like every week, at least two or three buses break down every week, I think. And there's always problems with those buses. And we got a new bus mechanic, and it's like everything changed. And the buses hardly ever broke down at all. And one of my friends started working that bus ministry with the bus mechanic there. And we're talking later, and he said that Brother Jones, whenever, before he even start working on anything, before he even looked at the engine, he said, let's pray. And, I mean, he just saturated that thing in prayer. And praying about everything and about the vehicle and saying, Lord, when you get this ready so you can reach people with the gospel. And I tell you, those buses never ran any better. But many times we want to look at the problems, and if we can't fix it, I guess I need to pray now. It's like prayer is an afterthought or something that we have to do after we fail in what we're doing. But ought to be the first thing we ought to do in going to God in prayer. You know, we talked about 
that trip I was taking, and that pilot came to that other side of the island to get us. We got back in that plane, and we took off again, and everything was going fine to about 15 feet up in the air. And then the crane, plane crashed back in the ground. We started bouncing off that water quite violently. And I looked at that pilot, and I asked him, I said, is this normal? He's like, no. <laughs> you know, and he looked a little bit concerned also. And, you know, talking about the Lord's will, now I'm looking out the window. They have a pontoon, you know, that, where the plane is floating on the water. I'm looking out thinking that thing is going to break off, going to be scattered all over the place. I'm saying, Lord, don't forget you call me here. I don't want to die here in Lake Victoria, you know. And it's amazing when problems come, how you increase in your time of prayer. <laughs> so we're now praying fervently for everything to be all right. And so we tried that twice and the same result. And so finally we went back to the beach there and uh, the pilot said, you know, we can't take off. And um, he's trying to figure out what was going on. And he found out that there was a hole in that pontoon. When he'd taken off from the other side, he'd hit a rock. And so now that thing was filled up with water and there's too much weight to take off. And so he said, well, i got to call and got to get a rescue boat to come out to pick us up. So he called him. And he called this rescue boat and he came back to us and he said, well, he said, they're on their way, but... Um, it's going to be dark by the time they get here. They're doing some other things, so it's going to be nighttime before they get here. And so they'll pick us up, but he said there's also smugglers out on the water at night. Well, that didn't sound like a good thing either. <laughs> and so we're thinking, is there anything else we can do to get back? Because we want to go soloing tomorrow. We've got a program tomorrow. There's things we want to get done. And I really don't want to be out here at night with the smugglers. And so the guy says, well, we could use our boat, our plane, kind of like a boat. He said, it's basically like a boat, so um, he said, we can take it to this other island. There's another big island out there in Lake Victoria, and they have a hotel there and everything, and a dirt landing strip. He said, if we can get to that island, then they'll bring another plane to come pick us up and land on that dirt strip and take us back. This was, that was the only seaplane in the whole country, and so there's no other seaplane to come get us either. And so we get on that plane, and we start going, and after a little bit, it starts turning a circle because there's too much weight in that pontoon, we start making a full circle right back to the island. And so the guy says, well, tell me, let me give a little bit more throttle. Let me give a little more gas, you might say. And maybe if we can get going to some good speed, we can get going and cut through the water. So we started going, went out farther. And then we still started coming back again. And so we're back on the island and we're saying, is there anything we can do? We really don't want to wait till tonight. You know, there might be more problems if we do that. And he said, well, he said, if we could balance out the weight then maybe we could go across there. So he looks at me and my friends, and he says, how would you guys like to ride on the outside of the airplane? I told some we were kind of young and dumb back there, like, yeah, that'd be pretty cool, you know. So I mean, we're out standing on the pontoon, hanging on, and he's flying on the way there, and we got farther. But then it started turning back around again. That was many pounds ago. We would have probably leveled it out if we'd done it now. <laughs> and so we're back on this island, thinking, Lord, you know, we need to get back. And we don't want to be here at nighttime when the smugglers and them are out. And then we saw a boat coming by that island. It's what we call a uh, banana boat. It's about 8 feet wide, about 40 feet long, and made out of wood. And there's only a couple of guys in there, one to run the engine and one to bail out water, you know. And so um, they put a bunch of timbers on the bottom and other merchandise, people sitting on top of that. And so we're thinking, this would be great. We can get this boat. They're probably going to the mainland. We can get back and everything will be all right. And so they started hollering and waving at them. They're probably from here to the front of your church building up there, or maybe a little bit farther, not far away. You could see them clearly. And it's like they couldn't hear. It's not a small engine, but maybe that made a difference. But nobody even looked our direction. And normally when you have 15, 20 people in a boat or more, there's people looking around. And I'm up here waving their arms and saying, Lord, you need to help us out here. We're trying to get this boat. We're trying to do your will. We're trying to get back. And nothing. 
They passed us by. And so we had to wait for that rescue boat to come. And we got out to that other island without any problems. No smugglers bothered us. That was a blessing. And we got out to that island. We got to meet a man there who was actually the owner of the island that we're at. And as we started talking to him, he told us, he said, well, guys, he said, there's people living out on these islands, but I actually own those islands. And if you're going to come out and build buildings and things on these islands that I own, you're supposed to come to me first to get permission. And you're like, oh, we didn't know that. I mean, this guy came and asked us to help him out. And I said, we apologize about that. And he said, it's not a problem. He said, guys, you're welcome to come start churches on any of our islands. And now we're starting to see that through this problem, God got us to the place where he wanted us to be. We thought we had our route figured out. We thought we knew everything we needed to do. But God got us to the place to help us so that we could fulfill his will for that trip and get in that permission that we need to one day have churches out those islands. You know, that's how God works at times, that we have problems that come up in our life. We see it as a problem, but I think God sees it sometimes as an opportunity to work in our life to get us to the place that he wants us to be. Now, doesn't the Bible say all things work together for what? For good. To them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. There's times I have to say, Lord, I love you. I know you don't see how the problems don't work for good yet, but I'm trusting you. Because sometimes problems come, we just want to quit. We just want to give up. We just we, we want to question God and say, why are these things happening? But we just need to be faithful and trust God and continue in what he has for us. But it's amazing how God can work through our problems. But we need to continue to be faithful. There's going to be challenges come in life. You're going to be having problems with finances. You're going to be having problems with other issues and other things in life. But no matter what, just stay faithful to God. You know, the last thing is this. God knows what will happen tomorrow. God wants us to know his will. But also God knows what is best. You know, in James 4.14, it says, But now you rejoice in your boastings, all such rejoicing is evil. Therefore, tell them that not to the good and doeth them not to him, it is sin. You know, as we got to that other island, that main island out there, we stayed there the night, and our sorting plans the next day, you know, that we had for the church and things, weren't able to be there or anything like that. They still just sorting at the church. But we're out exploring that island that next morning, and as we're out there, I got a phone call. And there's that national who had been with us before. He'd gone back to his home island already. He called me on the phone. He said, Pastor, he said, are you alive? I said, well, me talking to you on the phone should be an indication of that. I asked him, I said, do you often talk to dead people? <laughs> Why are you asking me if I'm alive as I'm talking to you? He said, Pastor, that boat you tried to get on, it sank and everybody on it died. That's the boat that I was complaining about, God, I missed the boat. God, I missed this opportunity that I thought was what was going to help solve my problems. Everything's going to be all right. I was annoying. I was upset. And I'm thinking, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for taking care of me. And that could have been me on that boat that day. But God knew what was best. Just like God knows what's best in your life. Did you feel like you missed the boat before? You missed some opportunity? There's something that you thought would be very good and it just didn't work out. Maybe you questioned the Lord and asked him why. There's challenges that come in life. This morning they asked us about our greatest challenge where we were today. And the mission is when our second oldest daughter passed away there in Uganda. Probably the greatest challenge we've ever faced. And yet through that, my wife's younger brother got saved. 
other people got saved and encouraged many people. I mean, it's amazing to see what God did through the life of her Timothy daughter, even that short time. The other people that she affected, the lives she impacted. Sometimes, you know, problems are going to come. We had a guy come to us in Uganda one time. He came and talked to me and said, Pastor, I want to get saved. You don't always have people just walk up to you and say, I want to get saved. No. I asked him, I said, well, why do you want to get saved? He said, well, I don't want to have any problems anymore. <laughs> I said, my friend, I, don't, I need that salvation. <laughs> I, mean, I, I don't have that one. All right. And I told him, I said, you know, you getting saved doesn't mean you don't have problems anymore. But rather that God will walk with you through those problems. He has promised to never leave us nor forsake us. We're never alone. Amen. And so, no matter what trial you might be facing, God is there. He is taking care of us sometimes we don't even realize it. Because God knows what is best for us. God knows what we need. We just need to be faithful to Him. And if things don't work out the way we think they ought to, just trust Him and keep being faithful. During challenging times, you don't stop serving God. You don't give up. You don't quit. You don't run away. You just stay faithful to Him. This is something that we ought to do. And I'm thankful for my dad. And, the, you know, as I mentioned, he's in the military. I grew up on a military base the first 18 years of my life. I think that's influenced me somewhat. Because, you know, when we came back for that one furlough and our daughter passed away, people were asking us, well, what are you going to do now? Because they're thinking, well, you're obviously not going back there. I mean, you have another daughter here, and we expect another child also, our third, our third oldest daughter at that time. And they're sort of saying, well, where are you going to go now? What are you going to do? They told them, we're going back to Uganda. That's where God's called us to go. Now, the thing about the military, while my dad is in the Air Force, there's people in the military that had loved ones who passed away. Family members, even. There's people in the military that face hardships and other problems, but they don't blame the United States. They didn't get mad and just quit the military. They still love their country. They're still faithful to their country. And I thought, how could I be any less faithful to my Lord? How could I love my God any less than people in our military love their country and serve their country? And that's really, there ought to be a loyalty that we have to Christ. There ought to be a love that motivates us and moves us. Problems are a part of life. They're going to come. But we can be faithful because of him. With Christ, we can trust him because he knows what is best. What about you tonight? There might be somebody here that's wondering, I don't know what the future might hold. Maybe there's some financial problems that you're facing. Maybe some health issues. Maybe just some uncertainty. There might be somebody here graduated from high school thinking, where am I going to go? What am I going to do? There might be somebody here maybe going to lose your job or maybe you have. There's always uncertainties in life, but the one thing that's certain is our love for Christ and His love for us, I should say. And we need to be faithful to Him. There might be somebody here, have you surrendered your life to the Lord? That's a question you ought to ask yourself. You know, we trust Christ with our eternal destination, don't we? There's that time, I hope, in your life which you accept your Christ as your personal Savior. If not, you need to do so today. But, you know, you pray and you ask Him to save you, but what about asking Him to lead you in your life here? What about saying, Lord, what would you have me to do? I know my dad, when he was about, I think about 63 or 64, he felt the Lord calling him to start another church. He asked somebody, Tom, well, I think you're too old. <laughs> he came and talked to me about it. He said, what do you think, son? I asked him, I said, well, is there any churches there? He said, no. I said, where are the young men that are going? He said, there aren't any. I said, well, then it sounds like you knew what God's called you to do. And he's there now, started a church and serving the Lord there. 
You know, we don't retire here in life from serving God. We serve until we get to heaven. We serve until he calls us home. We hear that trumpet sound. But we need to be faithful to him. You know, as we think of the challenges in life, as I think of that trip, you know, the Lord got us back safely back to our homes that, from that trip. And God has taken care of us over the years. But it's not because there's been no problems. It's not because there's been no heartaches. It's not because there's been no tears. But it's because of the goodness of God. Because of His grace. The Bible says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And if you'll trust Him today, not just for your salvation, but also with your life, you'll find that God can do work through you. Maybe God might call you to some other country. Maybe God might call you to some other place here in Alaska. Or God might just call you to be faithful here in your home church, which he's already doing, by the way. The Bible says, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. Whether we like it or not, each one of us will stand before the Lord one day, those who are saved, to give an account of our service to him. And you won't be able to say, we didn't come as a pastor, as a missionary, but he has called you as a witness, every one of us, to share our faith. Are we being faithful? Are we being faithful in giving our tithes and offerings and giving to missions? Are we being faithful in church and reading our Bible and praying? Are we being faithful in being that faithful witness and telling others about Christ? These are things we ought to do, but we're hindered sometimes because of problems. Because of that fear of the unknown. I have people there in Uganda, there's a lady one time who, Sunday morning, she walked right by the church. And I thought, maybe she'll just go in the store there to get something. And she didn't come back that day. Later on, she came back that next week and asked her, I said, I saw you walk by the church. What's going on? She said, well, I had some problems. So I had to take care of those problems. I had to go talk to some people to help me. And I told her the first place you ought to go to is God. But so many times we try to do it on our own. And we struggle. We fail not only in the problems, but in our walk with God. Because we're not trusting Him and going to Him first. So in everything we do, let us grow in our faith and in trusting the Lord, because he knows what will happen tomorrow. Let us pray. Dear Father, we love you. We thank you for the message tonight.